Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father God, uh, we pray this morning. We thank you for your goodness in our lives, oh God. We thank you for your blessings and your gifts. We thank you for your messages that bring us closer to you, that restore, that empower us, encourage us to continue pushing and striving for what it is that you have written down in your book for our lives. We ask, oh Jesus, that there be nothing that would distract us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict our hearts. I pray that you would open our hearts to receive this good word. I pray, Lord, that there wouldn't be anything that would rob us of your goodness here in this place. In Jesus' name, I pray for all these things. Amen and amen. It's funny because... uh, they're very strategic when they plan out who's going to be preaching uh, during the, the month of November, right? They send Mediero, and it's like fire, right? And then they send Joshua, and it's like a hammer. And then they put me, because usually I get sentimental, and I cry, and I get emotional, and different things like that. But we'll see how it goes today. Uh, as, as a youth pastor, Nicholas with an H, please. Nicholas with an H. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I pick you about that stuff, but it's not Nicolas, it's Nicholas, right? Um, as a youth pastor, as a youth pastor, um, I, I'm truly challenged just like any other pastor when you're bringing the word to all these different people, all these different individuals that are coming to listen to what it is that they, they expect God put in your heart to, to speak to them for that day. And I find myself so many times uh, coming with this word from God and, and I truly believe it was something that he inspired in me. And there's these kids that come in for the first time, second time, or they're just newcomers and they sit down in their seats. And as I begin preaching, they're kind of just like slouched back with their arms crossed and they're just kind of like paying attention, not really. And I'm excited. I'm pumped. I'm like, God has a plan for your life and, and God wants to do big things for you. And God has, he loves you and he wants to, you know, he's, he's always providing for you and he's going to protect you. And he does all these different things. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm passionate. I'm excited. I'm encouraged. And, and they sit back and, and they're slouched in their seats with their arms crossed and not even a flinch. And so, you know, I, you know, the devil likes to go ahead and try and insert these little things in my mind, like, you're not a good preacher, you're not so good, you're not so hot at what you're doing, all these different things. But it's so important, and, and this is why I'm so passionate about today's, uh, today's word, is that the reason I've found people have such a hard time contemplating, you know, God's characteristics, his love, his joy, his peace, his goodness, all these different things is because of the, the destruction of their family. Just the destruction of their parents' marriage, the destruction of their families, like, does not allow for them to be able to comprehend how good. When you tell, when, when I read verses like James 1.17, and I, I hear how uh, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. And I read Philippians 4.19, it says, my God will supply all your needs. And in Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That pierces my heart, and I get it so clearly because of the fact that I have a father. Five minutes in my first semester of law school, talk about, you know, just a a crazy situation. Five minutes before my first law school exam, a contract's final, right? They allow for you to take your test on a laptop so it's a lot easier to type and to fill out the the four hours worth of question and response that you're supposed to fill out for a test. And they let you do it on your laptops as opposed to writing because it's just a lot easier for you to type than it is to write, right? At least for me it is. Um, Five minutes before the test, my laptop dies crashes 
you know, and, and you don't have time to cry. You don't have time to, to freak out, right? You just say, a booklet, please, and a number two pencil, and you just start writing, right? Uh, I finish the, the exam. I get home, and I tell my dad what happened, and, and, and what followed was a trip to the Apple store. Went to the Apple store, and, and he, he got me this laptop. And he bought me this laptop, and I share this because there was, honestly, I had no doubt that even though my laptop broke, I knew that I had a dad that I can go to and ask him to help me in my need to supply it and be able to give me a laptop. And even then, they're giving me all these different, you know, laptop options and, you know, these, these uh, blue genius guys are going around with, with all these different samples and all this different stuff. I knew before I walked inside the store that my dad was going to buy me the best laptop that they had available in that store. I, I knew it. I knew it. There was no doubt in my mind, and, and I might sound like a spoiled bride up here, but no, it's, you wouldn't understand that if you didn't have a good dad, if you didn't have a God-fearing dad that was forged in the church. And that's why it's so important that we have a focus here in changing the world, in, in making families and restoring families, because it's within family that we understand the characteristics, the characteristics of Jesus Christ the, the love, the joy, the peace of God is, is forged in the church and it's brought home in family. For my first point, and, and my Aunt Claudia is going to love this. I don't know if she's here this morning, but she, she loves when people preach with points. So if you ever call her for a point, you know, make my, my aunt happy with this. Uh, number one, the family cannot be replaced. No matter what this world, the culture, tradition, your generation is preaching, the family cannot be replaced. No position in the family could either be replaced either. LeBron James, back in 2014, the greatest uh, basketball player in the NBA today, he wrote down in an Instagram post, like, wow, dad, you know what? I don't know you. I have no idea who you are. But because of you is part of the reason who I am today. The fuel that I use, you not being there, it's part of the reason I grew up to become who I am. It's part of the reason why I want to be hands-on with my endeavors and be able to put my guys that's with me now in position. Like Maverick Carter, my right-hand guy in business. Rich Paul, my agent. Randy Mims, my friend. He's my manager, you know. So me, in a position allowing people around me to grow, that maybe wouldn't have happened if I had two parents, two sisters, a dog, and a picket fence, you know. Basically saying, hey, Dad, I never needed you. Turns out, I never needed you to be at my games. I, needed, I never needed you home. I never needed you paying the bills because look how I turned out. Look how great I am, and you were never involved. Basically expressing what this generation feels of our fathers. Hey, listen, we really don't need them. I, I feel so bad because there's a lot of young girls that, that I grew up with that now have become single moms, and they're always sharing on Facebook all these different things about, I don't need a man. Uh, we can do it on our own. It's just me, you, and Abuela, and we're going to be pushing through, and it's, life's going to be so great, and, and we're going to create a little demon by ourselves, you know? And, and I agree, you, you know, these single moms, they don't need another delinquent father. They don't need another alcoholic father. They don't need another, you know, abusive dad that just bails on them and abandons them. But it does, just because you don't need that type of man doesn't mean that you don't need a man of God to help you raise that precious champion of God. This world will say you don't need family. Instead, you can create your own in 
the family. Right? Basically, it's, you're saying, hey, listen, you know, I don't need a dad. I don't need a mom. I get to choose for myself who my family is. People would rather spend their Thanksgiving, their Christmas, their New Year's with their own friends than they would with their own families. They'd rather buy gifts. They'd rather buy cologne. They'd rather do all these different things for their friends and spend time with them than they would spend with their own dad, with their own mom, with their own family. And that's fine. And that's all great and dandy according to this generation's uh, perspective on how things should be. People are so broken. They're so hurt by all the different things that happen in their own personal lives that they decided to abandon the family structure, God's sacred, holy family structure, and decided to recreate it according to their own selfish desires. Yes, selfish, because even though you come from a broken home, even though you come from, from, from a destroyed household, that doesn't give you a, 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 a right, a license to go out and to do whatever it is that you want. God wants to fix that. The world says, no, 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 it's okay. You don't need, you know, you, you don't need a mom. You can have two dads. Now, anybody that's had a mom here knows that's not true. Everybody that's had a mom knows if you're threatening to take my mom away and give me another dad, you know, time out. That's not going to happen, right? Moms are so important. Moms are, moms are so crucial to your development, to your understanding of how to respect and honor your dad. To replace that is horrible. It's terrible. Family is, is sacred, is holy. It's instituted by God Almighty. From the very beginning when he instituted marriage and he said, listen, there's going to be a man and a woman and then together are going to create one body. That, that's a holy thing. If you don't consider it that way, then, then marriage doesn't matter, right? It could be a, a man and a horse for all you care. But family is sacred. Family is holy. In James 1, 27, it says, the epitome of our, our religion, the, the, the highest form of worship that you can ever express to God is to take care of the widows of the orphans, is to be able to, as a groom, be able to take a bride and tend to your garden. The most beautiful thing anybody could ever see is not an amazing steeple at the top of the church. It's not the fact that you've memorized the book of Revelations and that you know everything about the end times. The most amazing thing that anybody could ever testify as to the goodness of God is walking in to a Flanagan's, walking into a Chili's, and seeing a family of six, a mom, a dad, and all their kids eating together, laughing and having a good time. So much so that that's what happened to us, uh, me and my parents, my, our family, we went to uh, the Doral Ale House, and we were having wings, and we were enjoying each other's company. And somebody, uh, there was a young girl that stopped in the middle of walking to the table with her boyfriend and says, one day I want that. What more do you want? What more do you want than, than a family that gets together around Christmas, that a family that gets together around hard times, than a family that's able to push through life when it gets rough? And that could only be found here in church. You can only have family. To my second point, church is the family factory. Here in church is the only place that you can forge that what I'm talking about. 
We're so passionate because we know that that is the key to unlocking these, these poor kids on Saturday nights. And even the people that are showing up to church, there's people that they don't understand. They cannot comprehend the love of God. Because when you, when you phrase it in that the love of God is like a love of a father, they say, you mean a guy that leaves you when you're five years old? You mean somebody that, that is always, uh, you know, condescending you? You mean somebody that's always, you know, uh, belittling you and abusing you? That, that's what God's like? But no, we, we, here in church is where we find out what the true reality to God's sacred institution of family really is. And it, the Bible teaches us exactly the, 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 the Ikea printout instructions on how to build the furniture of family. He said, in order to build family, first you need a man. You need to have somebody that's formed in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. You need to have somebody that's representing the characteristics of God. In Genesis 2.24, it says, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife. The beginning steps, the, the first instructions on how to build a family. But the thing is that only men can be built in the church. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, we'll read through all, through all of it, but it says that in church we've been given the, 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 the tools necessary in order to build men and to make them into the, the, the type of men that's necessary in order for a family to truly flourish. Outside of church, you will not find that. You will not find the, the, the instructions, the guidelines on how to be a real man. They'll tell you if you're a great drinker. They can tell you if you sleep around a lot. They tell you if you can make a lot of money. All those good things will help you in life, but it's all a bunch of lies. But here in, in the church, they'll tell you the truth, and they say, hey, listen, you're a poco hombre, right? Here, here in church, they'll tell you, hey, listen, this their area of your life is, is, is out of whack, and it doesn't matter that you have a million dollars in the bank. Here in the church, they present you, they say, hey, listen, we have a plan to help make you a champion, only in church. It's only in church where you find out in Proverbs 19, 14, that a wife is a gift from God. Amen. Amen. Right? A wife is a gift from God. This isn't somebody that, you know, it was funny because uh, Nick Cantero would always tell me that before he became a Christian, they used to tell him that you find a wife, right? You find a good wife either at the supermarket or at church, right? Those are the two places where you find a good wife, right? But... Right? But now he knows different. Now, now he's on board and he's looking for that good wife here. Amen? Amen. Uh, he's waiting for God's gift. But here in this place is the only way you'll find a good wife. Here in the church. Because it's a gift from God. It's not something you can rob. It's not something that you can, don't tell your dad we're going to run away and elope. Only here in the church. You find a man. You find a wife. And then even more so, Psalm 127.3 says that children are a gift from the Lord. So it sounds to me that you can't just go to Home Depot and buy all the parts you need to construct your family. It doesn't sound like you can log on to Amazon and start looking to, you know, find the, the, the two-day delivery for a wife. Or maybe, you know, you, you can wait off on the kids so you take the week-long delivery and, and maybe the kids can come later on. Only in church, only here in the house of God can your family be made in the family factory. There's no YouTube video on how to build family. There's no therapist like Dr. Phil that can fix your family. Only here in church. Only here in the house of God. I thank God because for my third point, family is where Jesus' character is experienced. 
By, by living in the community of family, you're able to witness and observe with your own eyes, like I have my entire life, what it is to love selflessly, what it is to honor, to respect, what it is to live your life for others. Only in family. And only families forged in the house of God, in, in, in the family factory. In Titus 2.2, it says, Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. The attitude being, listen, show these men how they're supposed to be living their lives, how they're supposed to be an example to their kids, so that their kids can see with their own eyes the characteristics of who Jesus Christ is. Dad, if you're listening to this message this morning, you are portraying to your children right now what God is like. Right now, your faithfulness to your wife is demonstrating to your kids the faithfulness of God. When, when, when your kids mess up or when your kids do something that's not wrong and you don't blow off steam and you don't go slamming doors and punching holes in walls, you're showing them what it is to be merciful and forgiving and compassionate. All these things that only come from Jesus Christ. But you're the gateway. You're, you're the way that's going to be able to show your kids and invest in them. Hey, listen, this is what Jesus Christ is like. When they, they're going to understand what discipline is with love as opposed to, uh, you know, abuse and, 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 and neglect. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Now you take on that, that vestige and you tell your kids, hey, listen, I'm following Jesus Christ. Now imitate me as I imitate Christ because I am the way. If you follow me, you'll know the way of life. You'll find reality. You'll find truthfulness in my life. It says in, Tim, in, in Titus 2, 3, it says, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way that they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to too much wine, but to teach what's good. Verse 4, Then, when they've been made in the family factory of God, they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home and to be kind and be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. I have a world-changing mom. Let me just break it to you. I have, I have an amazing mom, and I thank God for her life because if it wasn't for her demeanor when it comes to her communications, her conversations with my dad, me, my brothers, and my sister would, would have the least amount of respect towards him. And everything that he'd be preaching on Sundays would be, you know, completely disqualified based off of how we treat him and talk to him. Think about it. If my dad came up here and he preached, but at the same time I was back, you know, in the last row, um, minding my own business on my phone, just discrediting anything he's saying, what in the world does he have to offer to anybody? But as much as my dad has played such a crucial role, and he has in showing me how to honor Papi Ting and how, to, how he honored his dad, my mom... Every single day from the moment that I woke up to the time that she put me to bed when I was growing up showed me what it was like to honor and to obey whatever it is that my dad had to say. If we wanted to go out, amen. 
There were so many opportunities where I, you know, I later found out in life, what do you mean? Mom doesn't like chilies. Like, she doesn't like to go to Flanagan's. Like, what do you mean? Like, she thinks that the tables are sticky. What? Like, I, I didn't understand. I, I would never have guessed because my mom never had a bad attitude. My mom never threw a temper tantrum when my dad says, hey, listen, we're going to go do this. When my dad said, hey, listen, I'm sorry, but, you know, God is calling me and I'm going to miss out on Thanksgiving. She didn't, you know, get depressed and start crying and start manipulating him into staying. Instead, she dealt with a woman of God did, and she made Thanksgiving for lunch instead of for dinner. That's a world-changing mom. Now, I thank God because it, it was a seed that she continued to plant in my heart and in my brother's heart and my sister's heart that just continued to be watered and watered and watered as I grew up in life. And now in our world-changing family, we have the peace of God. We have the love of God, the joy of God because of the role that she played in selflessly raising up her children. If your son hates his dad's guts, you need to do a self-analysis. I'm not there yet. If your son, if your daughter just is in a complete rebellious spirit towards any authority, towards his dad, towards whoever's in his life, you need to analyze how you've been treating your husband lately. What is the example that we've been, we've been showing these kids? Because, you know, ultimately this is the monster you created. These kids are so precious and they're so moldable and, and you can really decide from early on to build them into these great exemplary men and women but you have to emphasize Christ-likeness. They have to see that from your home. They need to see that in the family, in the family that was forged in the family factory of church. Now, don't get all sad on me now. Don't get all depressed. That, that's why we have church. It's not about being perfect, and the Molina family is far from it. It's not like you can only experience the goodness of God if you marry into the Molina family. You know, there's a lot of guys trying to do that. But, but it's not going to happen, right? There, there's a lot of people that, that are, you know, they're like, I, I just got to find out how I can, you know, I can marry Ashley Hanau, or, you know, I, I got to figure out how I can marry Zoe so I could get that, that anointing. God is no respecter of persons. Anybody that decides to surrender their lives and give themselves free to God's, to God's plan and purpose for their life has ample opportunity to, to taste and see how good God is. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 says, These commandments I've given you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, on the way to school, on the way back home from soccer practice, on the way to the movies. Show them what Jesus Christ is like. Help me out on Saturdays and, and show them what it's like to, to be peaceful at home. My dad, from when we were really young, he, instilled, he, he, he made this mandatory, no screaming in the house. But he also abided by that one rule. My dad doesn't scream at home. There's no cursing at my house. 
There's no uh, weird movies or, or hidden areas of my dad's life. He's manifesting the characteristics of Jesus Christ so that me and my brothers have been able to watch it from, from when we were really young. And now today we are able to have that own personal relationship for ourselves. It's so important, the family structure. It's so important that we forge it here in the family factory. We cannot be missing out on men's group. We cannot be missing out on my mom's Wednesday morning Bible studies. We can't be missing out on church. We can't be missing out on any of these things. Because you're giving an example to your children that later on is going to cause for them consequences that, that you would never want for them. A great pastor once said, um, if you don't bring your kids to youth group, you're a loser. Something like that. <laughs> There's so many people that they, I, it blows my mind. I, we are so blessed. I consider myself so blessed to have grown up in a church that has a youth group. There's so many churches that don't have a youth group. There's so many churches that have, you know, they have singles ministries, they have the food ministry, they have prison hospital ministry, and they don't have a youth group. They don't have people that are there to raise up their kids. And my dad made it a, a, a focus, a, a set point, that the youth have to be addressed in this church. And we've had phenomenal, amazing youth pastors over the years that have been able to help us grow and mature into our own relationship with the Lord. And for you to not bring your kids to come and have the same offer to you, Forget about what me, Joshua, and Brandon are going to do to you. The Lord says, if you cause for these little ones to stumble, it's better that you toss yourself over the boat. We, we have these precious kids on Monday night that are in my men's group. You see, that's why you guys make me preach after Joshua and Brandon. <laughs> I've been in church my entire life, and there's people that started with me. They're not here today. Because Christ wasn't a reality in their home. There's so many kids in my group, little kids, like Ryan, like Yoyi. The Lopez's, so many little kids that are destined to be champions for God. God has amazing plans for their lives, an amazing purpose that can only be sideswiped by what happens at their home. Men's group is an hour, youth group, maybe an hour and a half, two hours. What happens inside the home will be the defining factor as to what the outcome of their life will be. God is so faithful. God is so faithful. He is so good. He is so great. And he gives so many opportunities. To my last point, God is the hope for your family. I'm not dumb. I, I know that there's people here that don't have family. I've been in church long enough to know that what me and my, my dad have, it's not normal. 
I know that what I have and, and what uh, the Hanaos have and the Taurus have and the Medieros of Palmas have, that's not normal. And, and several families here, just, I'm just uh, using the pastor's families as examples. I know it's not normal, but none of these people were perfect. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, all of them, every single one came from a broken family. And their pastors today, and their families are beautiful today. And everybody wants a family like theirs today because they decided early on that they were going to sacrifice their life, surrender to the cause of Christ, and reap the benefits of the joys that was before them in the future. Palma didn't see Ceci. He probably got saved a lot earlier, right? They, you know, the, Kenny didn't see his, his four beautiful kids at the time that he got saved, but I bet you if he did, he would have got, he would have got ran to church a lot earlier. <coughs> Mediero, the same thing. He would have never left uh, Ceci back in Mexico. But God has a plan. And God is so faithful, so faithful to give you ample opportunity to be able to surrender your life back to him. Surrender your family to him and to come to the family factory, to church, and be formed into the image and likeness of Christ so that you too can be a testimony, a witness of the goodness of God. So that people can walk by in restaurants and notice your family. So that people can go on Instagram and double tap your picture because, man, I wish I had a family like that. In Jeremiah 30, verse 18, it says, this is what the Lord says. I will restore the fortunes of Jacob's tents and have compassion on his dwellings. The city will be rebuilt on her ruins and the palace will stand in its proper place. I will restore the families of Jacob. God can restore your family. But hold up. Don't let your selfishness keep you from seeing God's goodness in your life. What do I mean? There's people that they, they cannot for the life of them forgive their dad. They'll be like, that sounds good, Nick. Uh, you know, where can I start my family? It's like, no, you have a family. Don't become a Christian family and decide that you're just going to let go of your family, let go of your dad, let go of your cousins, let go of your family that God have specifically given you. Family, like I said, is a sacred thing. It's not somebody, it's these people you didn't pick. A lot of us wouldn't pick them. These people are are gifts from God in our lives. You didn't get to choose your dad. You didn't get to choose your mom, your brothers, your siblings. You didn't get to choose any of those uh, people. God designed for you to be born in that family. That is your family. So don't let the bitterness that the devil has inserted and planted into your heart keep you from seeing the salvation of your parents. See you from seeing your, church, your, your brothers walking through that door. See you from seeing your, your sister, your cousins, your nephews, whoever it is, get baptized in the Patisco's pool. God can do it. God will do it. It's a promise that he's given us that says you and your household will be saved. But so often we cannot. We can't let go of the hurt that's in our hearts. We can't let go of what they did to us. We can't let go of, of how they treated us. God wants to heal that. God, God wants to forgive you and help you forgive them in the process. And give you an opportunity to help bring your family into the family factory. Now you say, but Nick, you know, I, I get that, but now really, I, I really don't have family. Like, I really don't have anybody. I, I, I'm by myself here. Yeah, God understands that. 
And that's why he says in Psalm 66 that he puts the lonely into family. God is so, he knows, he knows how important family is. And he says, people aren't supposed to be living their lives by themselves. They'll never truly understand who I am and how, they, how I treat people. They need to see it in action. And so he brings us into the church. He brings us into family to start forming in us the future of our own family. In 2 Samuel 9, we see this played out with David and Mephibosheth. And David, when he begins his reign as the king of Israel, he says, Is there anybody left in the house of Saul who I can show my kindness for Jonathan's sake, for my best friend's sake? Who is it that's still alive of Saul's lineage that I can incorporate, I can bring into the family? And there was somebody in Saul's household named Ziba, and when they summoned him, he says in, uh, in verse 3, the king asked, is there anybody alive still from the house of Saul who I can show God's kindness? And Ziba said, there's still a son of Jonathan, but he's, born, he's lame of both feet. So David says, where is he? Verse 6. When Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth? And he said, at your service. Verse 7. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. It doesn't matter that you've lost your family. It doesn't matter that, that you've given ample opportunity for your family to come to the Lord, and they're still on the way. God still wants to create family with you. The hope that, that the young people in my youth group have is that they will be the, the catalyst. They will be the changing point for the future generations to come. We, Mauricio's here this morning, and, and his testimony is that he will be the first. He, he has every opportunity in the world. He has every excuse in the world to say, screw you, God. I don't want you anymore. I hate you. My family's a mess and all this different stuff. But he has decided that he wants to surrender his life to God. He will be the first and his generations of Chiriboga to have a child in wedlock. He will be the first. He will start family in the Chiriboga lineage. He will have a legacy of God-fearing, of righteousness, of love and peace and joy in his life. He will be the one that's able to start that in his home. You can start that in your home. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you it's impossible, that it's not capable of happening. It is possible. And Mephibosheth was brought before David, and he says, surely I will show you kindness. You're invited in. And God is saying, hey, listen, you're invited into the, the family factory. You're invited into this family. I want to start something new with you. Whatever's been robbed with you before, if you've never had Christmas with your family, if you, I, I have people in my youth group that they never went on vacation with your family, which blows my mind that nobody has taken these people to Disney, that nobody has bought them, uh, you know, the goofy ears and, and done all these different things. There's going to be kids at reach this, this coming Black Friday who have never bounced inside of a bounce house. I mean, that's wicked. But here, God wants to restore all that. God wants to say, hey, listen, through you, I can make it happen. Don't fear. I will show you kindness. 
I'll restore to you what's been lost. You're going to eat at my table continually. Verse 8. And Mephibosheth bowed his head and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? It doesn't matter how broken, how tattered. It doesn't matter how lowly you consider yourself or how bad you feel that your life has been. God can change that. God can completely flip it upside down and create a brand new beginning for you here today in this place. Verse 9, he says, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. Mephibosheth will always eat at my table. Verse 11, then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever your lord king commands his servant to do. So that Mephibosheth ate at David's table like what? Like one of the king's sons. How amazing is that you go from being lonely, from being broken. This guy considers himself to being a dirty, you know, broken dog out in the street and becomes the king's son from one day to the next. Because that's what God can do for you. That's what God's restoring power can do in your life. Now, this is like the saddest portion about Mephibosheth. In 2 Samuel 16, verse 1, it says, When David was a little past the top of the mountain, he's being chased out of the city by Absalom. Absalom was... uh, was one of David's sons that decided that he was going to dethrone him and take over the kingdom and, and you, know, you know, just a complete mutiny. But it says that David had to flee the city, and while he was a little past the top of the mountain, there was Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple of saddled donkeys and on them 200 loaves of bread and just a, a complete care package to get as far away as possible for the time being, verse 2. And the king said to Ziba, what are you doing with all this? And Ziba said, listen, this is, these donkeys are for you and your household to ride on. You need to get out of here, verse 3. And the king said, where is the master's son? Where's Mephibosheth? And Ziba says, indeed, he's staying in Jerusalem because today he believes the house of Israel will be restored to him and to the, his kingdom will be given to him. Mephibosheth was given the opportunity to be a king's son, to eat continually on on the king's banquet table for the rest of his life. He had nothing to worry about. This guy was a deadbeat with no feet. He considered himself a dead dog. And David lifts him up, cleans him off, and sets him as a king's son. Gives him an opportunity to be able to restore everything that was stolen from him. And still he he, he couldn't do it. He despised the goodness of God. Over his life. He despised the family factory. His life was restored to him. His marriage was restored. His kids all got along and started doing well in school. His finances were doing well. And the first opportunity he had to leave, he did. Now, I don't know if you've read too much into uh, Second Samuel, but... King David comes back. Verse 4. 
So the king said to Ziba, here are all the things that belongs to Mephibosheth. They're now yours. I humbly bow before you that I might find favor in your sight, my lord, O king. Verse 5. No, that's it. God, this is not a normal occurrence for you to be sitting in this place. Don't despise the goodness of God's and, and completely, you know, unappreciate what you have at your fingertips here in this place. You found a church that, that raises up godly men, that takes care of their godly women, that's focused on making sure that your children raise up as champions. Don't despise this place. There, there are some churches that are focused on evangelism. There are some churches that are focused on healing. There are some fo- churches that are focused on other things. Here we're focused on family. Amen. So the point we get bad Google reviews about it. Don't despise the goodness of God. What we're living now is a reality that David was living in Psalm 112. And I finished with these, uh, these last couple verses. I praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. Blessed are those who take God serious and say, this world is not worth living if it's not living in my purpose and in my identity in Christ. Verse 2. An inheritance of these people is that their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. For those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous, good will come to those who who are generous and lend freely, who conduct the affairs with justice. This is a promise that God is offering you. If you decide today, you're saying, hey, listen, nobody's going to be taking me out of this place. God, I surrender my life to you. Hold me close. Hold me tight and don't let me be tempted out of this place. Don't let me get whatever I can and can all I can get and then book it out of here. Help me stay firm, Lord. Help me see the, the, the future is to come. Help me see my little boy and my little girl that are back in Sunday school come and accomplish these great and mighty things that you have destined for their lives. Man, what these kids have in store for them, we can't even imagine. We can't even comprehend. They're placed at another level than even people like me were when we first started this church. Because now they're in a more mature, a more well-founded. What is a man was just in the woodworks, but now is coming into fruition. What these kids have left to experience in life is going to blow all our brains. God have mercy on you if you take them out of this place. Good will come to all those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Verse 6, surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts will be steadfast, trusting in God. Their hearts are secure. They have no fear. And in the end, they will look in triumph over their foes. If your family isn't here in this place today, if you're here by yourself, hold on fast to God's promise. Hold on fast to what God has up the road for you. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. That God has just brought an overabundance of goodness and blessings over their lives so much so that it's just flowing out of their pores and everyone within their circle of influence is benefiting from it. Verse 7. 
Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked will see and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and waste away. Their longings of wickedness will come to nothing. God is the hope for your family. God is, is that missing piece you can try and put together a Mr. Potato Head all you want with the ears and the eyes and the mustache and the nose. But if you don't have the potato, it's not going to work out. You need God. You need the family factory. Let's stand to our feet this morning as we finish off with this verse. Like I said, this has nothing to do with who the pastors are. This has nothing to do with, with our, our, our upbringing. This has nothing to do with any of that different stuff. It has to do with a personal decision to say, God, I need you, and I want to thrive in, in the family factory. God, mold me and help me be a light to all those that are around me, my kids, my sister, my, my aunt, my grandma, my, my parents, Lord. Help me be Jesus. Help them be able to see Jesus through me. Holy Spirit, come inside of me and, and help me glorify who you are and, and all the good things that you've done in my personal life. In 2 Corinthians 9 it says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, no matter your circumstance, one mom, no mom, two moms, no dad, no family, whatever your circumstance is, wherever you're coming from, whatever your background, it says God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you having all that you need in all things may have an abundance for every good work. If you need to find forgiveness here at the family factory, you can find it. If you need to find peace, joy, if you need the pieces, if you need the instruction, if you need the booklet to build a family, only here in the family factory will you be able to find it. For this year, this year has been known as, uh, our focus has been on the land of Beulah, and the land of Beulah is a land of families. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning as we finish. Right there in the seat where you are. I, I truly believe God has been abundantly clear with this message. It's not about whether you're a good Christian, a bad Christian. You've been in church for a long time. You have a dad. You have no dad. You have a, a, a stinky upbringing. Whatever the case may be, God and in his grace can provide in all full sufficiency whatever it is that you're lacking. God wants to start a new work in your life. God wants to be able to restore whatever's been taken, whatever's been uh, removed, whatever you've missed out on, God can replace it and renew it and do way better than whatever it is that you missed out on. God makes no exceptions to any person. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There where you're standing in your place with your eyes closed, heads bowed. If you want God to begin a new work, if God wants, if you feel like you want to solidify and ask God to keep you here in the family factory, go ahead and raise up one hand. We want to pray for you here in this morning. 
There are hands going up. There's people that are coming from broken homes. There's people that are coming from no homes. There's people that are coming from a Catholic background, from an atheist background like Yoah. Wherever they're coming from, God wants to do a new work in your life. With head bowed and eyes closed, hands lifted up, if that's you, let's repeat this prayer after me. Father God, in, 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 in loud voice, Father God, we thank you for the families here at Spring of Life. We pray, Jesus, that you would begin a new work. Help me, Lord, be a representation of your Christ-likeness in my home restore oh God what has been stolen use me Lord as a vessel to reach other families to come to the family factory Father God we thank you for all the hands that are lifted up in this place and we just ask you oh Lord that you be able to begin a new work in their life God I pray that your grace would flood in this place, oh God, that your favor would overabound so that there would be nothing missing, oh God. If there's need for forgiveness, oh God, if we need to remove bitterness, if we need to restore joy, whatever it is, oh God, you're more than capable of restoring it, of doing the work. I pray, oh God, that you would equip us with for every good work that you have planned for our lives. I pray, oh Lord, that we would be an encouragement, that we would be a column for these little ones, oh God, that they'd be able to mimic us to watch us to follow us and imitate us lord and and find their true calling in you i pray oh jesus and we rebuke satan god and we rebuke the devourer god that he wouldn't steal that he wouldn't take away that which you've promised us help us jesus help us jesus we pray for all these things it's in jesus name Amen and amen.